Hi, and welcome to Women CEO in Reflection, a podcast dedicated to personal growth and mental health discussions with women CEOs across the globe. It's here where inspired women get candid about what drives them to succeed and the personal challenges they've encountered on their path to success. So if you're a woman on a mission, this is the podcast you don't want to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's get candid. Hi, and welcome to Women CEO and Reflection. I'm your host, Marisa Jones, and today's guest is Jennifer Fry. She's a CEO of Appreciated Asset Business Solutions, where their sales accelerator program offers a done-for-you cold calling service for their clients. Appreciated Assets team will reach out to your ideal prospects consultatively, educate them about your solution, and set you up with new business appointments. Her team will keep you client-facing to help you grow your business and provide you with all the benefits of a cold-calling campaign without any of the time or energy. Jennifer brings to her business over 20 years of business development and solution sales to her clients. She's a native of Boston. She's currently living in Charleston, South Carolina with her eight-year-old son, Max. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um. I am so glad you're here today. You and I have had a previous conversation and, um, you know, your story is, is one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast, you know, is to get the word out as to how you can achieve anything, regardless of what obstacles you're up against. And so uh, I would love to share, you know, have you share with the audience uh, your experiences and, and your journey as much as you're willing to share uh, about how you started your business. Sure. Um, I started my business four years ago this month, actually, uh, after a very toxic, um, uh, working with a very toxic former employer, um, where I was uh, the recipient of misogyny and ageism and sexism and some anti-Semitic comments as well, all, all, <laughs> all the good things. And, um, and I left there and started my own firm. Uh, providing business solutions because I'd been in solution sales my entire career. And uh, and I want you to talk a little bit about the name because I love how you came up with your name. Sure. So um, the last meeting I had with my former employer, uh, I had doubled my quota for the month and it was the day before my birthday. Uh, but the previous month I doubled my quota, which means I earned a bonus. And I mentioned that it was a pretty toxic work environment. Um, and really, the more success I showed in my position, the more I was put in my place uh, for the value that I had with the firm. And so I had uh, done, you know, brought in quite a bit of money for the firm uh, the previous month. And I was told that I was a depreciating asset. For oh, them. that's, that's, diff- wow. So wow. I had been listening to um, Jen Sincero's book, You're a Badass, on Audible, on the drive there. And on the drive back, I thought, you know, I'm just never going to cry over this human again. It's never going to happen. Because I knew at that point, it wasn't about me. Um, or it was and that I absolutely did not have to be treated that way. And so at that point, I didn't even know what I was doing yet next, but I knew that I was going to create a firm calling it appreciated asset and every dollar client and employee that came through the door would be treated with value and respect. Oh, that I love that. That I mean, 
so many of us have been through it. I know I've been through a toxic work situation and they'll never tell you to your face what your organization that you worked for said to you is that you are a depreciating asset. You know, they don't tell you, they give you hints and signs and they try to do everything they can to push you out the door. But the fact that they actually told you directly is just appalling, you know, and unfortunately still in this day and age that happens so often. And for many of us, it would throw us off our feet, right? Um, You know, I know for me, it was, you know, it was a lot of old stuff that came up when, when I was in this toxic work environment. And the one consistent thing that kept coming up was this little bug in my head that kept saying, you know, you have no value, you have no value, right? Because all that trauma comes back to you. I had to do a lot of work just to remind myself, it's not me, it's them, right? Um, so what, how, how did you, I mean, you recovered pretty quickly by starting your own business, but what was the process, you know, for somebody else who may have been in your, may be in your shoes now, what was the process that made you kind of walk away and, and change your mindset and say, I'm going to turn this around into something better? Right. Um, so I actually don't think they wanted me to leave. I think that they really didn't want me to leave because they were afraid that I would go off and compete against them, which was really never my intention. And I never would have done that. But um, I think the whole, you know, incident of what happened was really just to kind of, again, keep me in my place to know that I couldn't do it without them, that I wouldn't, you know, instead of empowering me, it was really disempowering. Um, My process was going through figuring out where my area of, expertise was, which for me was then and always has been connecting people, finding opportunities for people, uncovering uh, new business opportunities, new forms of revenue and income, and uh, and making those connections. And I knew a lot of really great uh, businesses, uh, B2B services, and I had a huge roster of clients that came to me for advice and direction. So that's how I started. It was kind of going in that direction and, and really just kind of reaching out and letting everyone know what I did. That, that's the other thing. You can't expect people to wait to uh, find out. You want to really reach out and get really proactive. Right. You have to put yourself out there. You have to let people know what services you're offering. Mm-hmm. So so this was about four years ago. You, you're having an anniversary. And during that time, we had some major shifts in the world. Yeah. Um, starting a new company, how did that impact you? And what were some of the things you did to kind of overcome? Well, so uh, during COVID at the time, I had one large client that represented uh, the majority of my income. And when the lockdown happened, uh, within a matter of weeks, that business uh, unfortunately closed their doors permanently. Oh. And so I went from you know, a very healthy income to <laughs> a pretty dramatic drop. Uh, and I knew at that point that I really needed to reinvent um, what I was doing and make sure that I was diversified enough where all of my revenue wasn't dependent on one other individual or one other firm. So that's what I did. I started diversifying out and making sure I was representing several different companies at once. And then from there, because I had been making so many connections, I had 
clients and partners reaching out to me, asking me to do sales for them, saying things like, if you did for me what you do for you, my business would double next year. And I realized, I was like, well, I will. Just tell me who you want to be in front of and I'll make it happen. I'll call and I'll recommend you because I already know you're great. So I'll reach out and I'll set you up some new business appointments. And that's how it was born. Um, it was, I've always kind of been a cocktail napkin business plan kind of person. And, uh, this idea came to me the next morning. I reached out to, uh, four current clients that I had been working with. And before lunch, I had four clients, um, that were starting the sales accelerator with me. That's amazing. And you took a, you took a risk. You said, you know what, this is, here's a gap and here's what I can do. And here's what people have told me what my value is in the past. And I'm going to leverage that, you know, and I just think that's amazing because so many people get boxed into, I have to do it this way, or I have to do it, you know, another way, or, you know, they, they find the line of what they want to do in their own business. Right or an organization they're working for, and, and there's a path, and there's a traditional path, and that's what they follow. But you kind of just said, I'm just going to do it my own way. And Well, you know, what was happening is I kept getting sales jobs. People kept trying to hire me, basically, and I wasn't interested in having a job. I wasn't interested in doing sales for 10 different people. That really didn't align with me as something that felt authentic. So the more I thought about it, because you really have to listen to what people are saying. You have to listen to what your clients, what your partners, people who really have worked with you and know your strengths are telling you they need from you. And then find a way to make that work in a way that feels really good to you. And, and that's what we did. So I don't sell for anyone. And I'm very clear about that. We literally are calling to make connections and introductions. And it's a very different approach. And because of that approach, because it's very, um, it, it's very low pressure and it's really just more about giving a lot of great information, we get really great results for our clients. That's fantastic. What advice would you give to someone to, to, to take that risk? You know, someone who might be on the fence, who might have an idea, but not sure if it's going to work out. And so they hesitate. What, would, what advice would you give them? You have to have a really great revenue structure so that you know how you're being paid month after month. It's not about taking a leap and then figuring it out. So you want to have an offer in place already. And you want to also gauge the market and see, is this something that people would be interested in? Um, I'm not a big fan of the side hustle because I my personality have always been kind of all or nothing and I go all in. So I think that it would be really difficult to build something when your uh, attention is really diverted. But if you are going to take the leap and step away from whatever you're doing full-time to be on your own, and I highly recommend it because it's just the best move I've ever made in my professional life. If you're going to take the leap, make sure that you have an offer in place that is sellable. That's great advice. You know, sometimes it takes years to find that niche too, because mm -hmm. um, there, you know, there's never enough coaches. There's never enough sales companies. There's never enough marketing, right? There's, there's always 
there's always going to be opportunity, but you have to find where you fit and who you're going to sell to and what that niche is. Um, And then you can always make money from it. Right. But until you, until you define that, um, you will be struggling. And, and, you know, that's, that's a big thing with new companies is, you know, they'll start up a new company and then they struggle because they're still unsure of their message or who they're marketing to or what they want to sell. And it's like, oh, well, I can do anything or oh, I help everyone. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and that makes it really hard because that revenue structure you're talking about is really key. Yeah. And I think at first you do want to take everyone. I, I do. Because you want to be able to see, you're almost beta testing to see who does this work for? You know, who are you going to find success with? Who do you enjoy working with? And then from there, after maybe six months or so of of getting some data, you'd be able to then niche down to really that ideal avatar of who it is you want to be working with more. Right. Does that make sense? Because you do, yeah, you do have to, you do have to turn down clients. And that's a hard thing to do when you're mm-hmm. just starting out and your revenue is not really coming in where you want it to be. But you know, those clients that don't fit right, they don't feel good, right? Because I go by intuition a lot and I've turned down mm-hmm. clients when you know I really needed to have clients. And uh, it's a tough thing to do. But you have to like what you do. You have to really enjoy what you do because otherwise it becomes that toxic job that you've created for your own self. Right. And for us, because we put our name behind our clients' names and really recommending them to the marketplace, we have to make sure that they are someone who we align with, um, that we know that they will be honest and upfront and trustworthy with their clients because, again, we're endorsing them. And it's really important to us to make sure that we find the right fit because I'm not interested in new clients, you know, month after month after month. I'm looking for really long-term relationships where we can really work as essentially a fractional sales department in some ways for them. That's great. So you also have, so you're running your business and you also have an a, a eight-year-old son I How do. do you balance? What are some of the things you do to, to kind of keep, keep your mindset at a, at a good balance? I think if you try to balance every day and say, I had perfect balance at the end of every day, you're setting yourself up for failure because it just doesn't work like that. But if I can look back after a week and say that I was productive at work and I was present when I was with my son, and we did some fun things and we were productive at home as well with getting things done at home that we needed to, that's a really good balance. So when you look back at a day, I mean, that's, you blink and the day's over, right? Right. Trying to really take advantage of moments in times that you have larger windows is really, really important to me anyway. And I will tell you, it's the hardest thing, but putting this away. <laughs> yes. The phone. <laughs> <laughs> it just helps you be present in a way that you're not able to be when you have it next to you. And they're designed right. that way, right? They're designed to keep us on them. Um, we all understand that now. So just removing that distraction from you helps you engage in, in your life with your family or your friends or whatever you're doing in ways that you wouldn't be able to do if it's attached to you. It's so important. Uh, I read an article about how like every time 
you hear a ding from a notification from your phone, your body literally like releases cortisol or like the stress mm-hmm. hormone because you, you're just like, you have to go get to it or you have to see yeah. what it is. And um, I remember, and it, it is a distraction, whether you're with your kids or your family or your friends, it, it can easily become a distraction. I remember um, anytime I go into a, uh, I still do it. Anytime I'm in a meeting, with uh, an executive or somebody who's really important or a critical presentation, I either turn my phone off, I don't bring it with me. You know, Mm -hmm. it could wait. I'll text my son and go, hey, I'm gonna be offline for the next hour, you know, and um, Mm -hmm. just to let him know. But you have to do that so that you can be fully present. And that's the most important thing because then you can give yourself all to what you're doing. Right. I mean, it's a distraction at work also, right? Um, one of the things that I've done is I've turned all my notifications off. I'm not notified about anything. And if it does pop up, I go back in immediately and remove the notification. And that really helps. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to keep that mindset, that healthy balance of, you know, you try to get to balance, right? Like you said, you can't be fully balanced every day. Um, but you commit yourself to time. This is when I do emails. This is when I spend time with my kids. This is when I do, you know, work. And um, this is when I'm with a client. So, so important. Yeah. And I will tell you the other thing for balance for me is scheduling time away from home as well. Traveling, um, visiting family or friends, or, or just exploring a new city is really important because it's another way to be present. You know, being at home, you've got laundry and bills and piles that you mean to get to, and that helps, you you know, keep you from being present with your people. Right. But when you're away from all of that and those distractions, it brings it to a whole new level. So that's another thing that I prioritize we do. I would say probably like every other month we get away somewhere. That's great. I love to travel myself. I try to get away as much as I can. And that can just be, you know, one overnight somewhere. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be anything. It doesn't have to be a week long trip somewhere. Do you work when you go, when you travel? If it's extended, I am available and I'll usually try to batch my work in the morning so that I can take the afternoons off. That's great. So how does it feel to be away from that toxic work environment and just running your own company? <laughs> Something you never probably imagined five years ago. Um, I mean, I had PTSD for a while afterwards, and it really shook me and my faith in myself. Um, so it took me a while to really kind of rediscover who I was, what I wanted and what I stood for all of the things that I'd kind of put on the back burner to essentially to people, please. It was, I was doing it in my professional life and my personal life as well. So really spending some time rediscovering who I was and what I wanted and how I wanted to show up um, was a game changer for me because I really just more or less became unrecognizable to myself. Um, As so many of us, right? We wake up one day and we go, who am I? I have it all, but I don't know who I am. So what was that process? What what were some of the key things you did to to find yourself again? Well, you know, a lot of this coincided with 
COVID and the lockdown with the pandemic. So <laughs> I had a lot of quiet time. Um, I read um, Brene Brown wrote a book called The Gifts of Imperfection. And in that book, she talks a lot about um, the power of creating without any attachment to the, res- to the outcome, to the result. It was very, very difficult for me to get my head around because <laughs> I am, if I'm creating, it's to do something and to get something done and accomplished and, you know, something presentable. Um, so I started doing uh, like paint pouring and things where if I messed up, it was really no big deal, but I could get a little messy and it could be a long process and I had the time. Um, but really just kind of, Allowing myself to mess up, I think, was the biggest thing. And so that whole creativity um, adventure that I went on of trying different things and different crafts and different, um, uh, even just like different ways of journaling, but different ways to express myself and, and get that creativity out, again, without the attachment to what the result was. That's the most important part of everything she says. So um, I think learning how to just kind of experiment and see what felt good to me was, was a big part of it. Journaling, again, is huge for me because really having some time and space to write freely, again, without attachment to where exactly it's going can really take you places. And practicing gratitude. Is I think probably That's the most a transformative. One. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah because I, it, when things are dark, it's really easy to start feeling like you're a victim of your life. And looking around at all of the things that you have to be gra- gra- grateful for, but not just that, grounding yourself to it, right? So I'm so grateful for my home because and explaining why. I'm not just grateful for my house, move on to the next checklist, right? I'm grateful because it provides a safe place for us to sleep and eat and spend our lives. And we're warm in the winter and we're cool in the summer. You know, those are the reasons that that I'm grateful for that. It really grounds you to that reason. And once I started practicing that, it brought my gratitude practice to a whole new level. People underestimate the power of gratitude, practicing gratitude. I do it all the time. And it, it literally can change your mood, right? When you start going down that, that, that hole of, you know, things aren't working out for me. It doesn't look so good, right? You Practicing gratitude really can turn that around pretty quickly. Um, but I do it all the time, all day, over the littlest things, you know? And, and that's absolutely... God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I say I'm grateful for the water that's coming out. I'm grateful for a warm shower. I'm gra- yeah. like it sounds dumb, but it just becomes mm-hmm. so part of your being of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it changes your mindset and it changes how you flow in life. And that's what I like about it. And it just starts with writing down five things every morning. That's how it starts. You don't have to start doing it from morning to night, sounding like, you know, you're singing to every you know <laughs> thing that happens to you. But when you start in the morning and really are consistent about it, then what happens is when something doesn't go your way during the day, you don't get derailed. 
or I, I don't. That's been my experience. Well, it becomes your default behavior of thinking. It's like, oh, it's not well, but I can go to gratitude, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't good, but I can go to gratitude. I may mm-hmm. not like my job, but I'm grateful that I have a paycheck right now. You know, mm-hmm. thank you. I'm grateful I have good colleagues. You know, I'm grateful I can work from home, like whatever it is, right? So right. you can you can easily remind yourself because it becomes your default behavior of thinking. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, and that uh, I think gratitude is great. I love how you uh, were looking for creative outlets where you can make mistakes. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, great advice. And then you know the the um, the not attachment is a big one. I I spent a lot of time working on that one as well um, because when you're not attached to the outcome, it, you're just being and you're just doing and uh you're doing it for the universe right you're doing it mm-hmm. you're doing it out of you know from your heart and and you know whatever flows to you will flow to you which is a hard thing to do especially when it's business but um you know practicing that non-attachment is is a good one too yeah for sure yeah. So I, I, it's been great having you. We are out of time. Thank you. Uh, where can people find you, Jennifer? So uh, my website is appreciatedasset.com. Uh, and you can find us there. Go to the contact page and send us a note if you'd like to get in touch. We're also on social media, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Love it. Love it. Love, love your name. Think it's fantastic. <laughs> a great message. And it's been great having you on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Women CEO in Reflection. To reach out to one of our guests, their contact is in the description of the show. Do you want a total mindset transformation? Apply to Mindset Warrior, The Art of Intentional Thinking, my personal coaching boot camp at IamAMindsetWarrior.com and schedule your call with me today. Thank you.